0: Welcome, everybody, to Coffee with Casey. Um, Today, we're going to update on the August real estate market. Now, the reason I'm doing this every week is because markets change and they change fast. We've seen some crazy stuff go on this year. We've seen contracts at 150, 200, 250 above list price. So we need to keep track of the market as we go through. The buyer's still out there. And as the market changes, how do we change? So today I'm gonna to look at the market um, in August, tell everybody where we are in all the different cities. And then we're gonna talk about, so my house didn't sell in the first week, now what? Now what do we do? What is the protocol for the older protocol that we had when a house doesn't, list, uh, doesn't sell in the first seven days? So it's important you stick with protocols. These are tried and true um, policies that we have that you go through. I know everybody makes fun of me for calling everything a protocol, but that's what it is. If it doesn't sell in seven days, immediately go to a protocol and boom, 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 boom. We need to be as efficient as we possibly can. And finally, I'm gonna give you three things, three things to avoid a home inspection. The first half of this year, we had 53 sales. We had one home inspection. We had one contract kick out because of that home inspection. We do not want home inspections. We want to prevent them as listing agents as much as we can, Um, so we want to have a preemptive strike on how can we prevent that home inspection. So I'm going to give you three things we can do, and then uh, and then we'll go from there. Because uh, you know, to be honest with you, as as a listing agent, we want to make sure that everything is good with that house. Sometimes home inspectors get a little carried away and kill a contract. So let's take this to let's take this over to um, to today's show alright so we've got um, today's show is the August market update and here's, here's what we're looking at come on fellas alright so the first thing we're going to look at is um, how are the sales going and I look at contracts I don't look at sales because you know When they report, I'm gonna get this out of here. How do I get that out, Billy? Just one second, folks. I wanna make sure I minimize this screen so you can see what we're doing here. I need to take Billy and I and put us somewhere else. Put us down here. All right, that's good. All right, let's try one more time. Let's light it up. Oh, All right, I'm just going to do it this way so you can look at it. All right, so these are the uh, July contracts. Why do we look at contracts, not sales? Because the sales that are recorded today were on decisions and contracts that were made 45 to 60 days ago. We want to get out in front, find out how the market is doing today, not how it was 60 days ago. So contracts written is the number one place you want to get to. So we have... um, This is your July contracts from 2015, 2016, 17, 18, all the way through to today. So we'll see that July last year was a big July because we really, and you'll see in the next screen, we really had a bad beginning of the year. So we had a strong second half of the year, 1,583. This is on a 10 mile radius around Vienna. So it's a big, big group. And then this year, you know, we kind of feel like July is, you know, slumping off, but it's really not. So when you compare it to other Julys, we're having a strong July, it's it's fine as, you know, as you can see, compared to 2018, 2019, we're 20% higher than we were. So we are not having a slump in July. Everything is going just fine. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next screen here. I, I swear, I don't know what's going on with this uh, computer folks but I can't see my my cursor for some reason. Let me play, let me play with this, just one sec. Everybody hang on, talk amongst yourself. That was the wrong thing to do. All right, there we go, I'm back. Okay, so the green remember, those are July sales. Let's see how it's compared to April sales or April contracts. So here's where the april contracts are and you can see last year it really took a nosedive in april okay it's rebounded this year so in april of this year we're at 1850 which is it's strong you know it's not bad but it's not the killer that you would think it was it's not like it was up 25 35 percent over the contracts written in years gone by it was compared to last year because of code so when you compare that to today I think we're looking at a very solid and stable uh, market right now. It is still up. It's not like our sales are down or our contracts are down. So the first thing we wanna look at are buyers still buying houses? The answer to that is unequivocally yes. They're out there, the buyer pool is out there and the buyer pool is active. Now, then the other thing that we're trying to read is what percentage of homes is under contract? So if there's 10 homes on the market, What percentage of those are under contract? And that tells you whether you're in a seller's market or a buyer's market. So let's take a whip around the Washington area and let's take a look at some of the towns. So Oak Hill, 77% of the homes in Oak Hill are under contract. So Oak Hill is still in a full bore, full throttle, you know, balls to the walls, seller's market. Virginia Run, same thing. Now those are smaller neighborhood kind of markets that are a little farther out. Gainesville's doing great, Centerville's doing great, Reston's doing great. So is at 62%. So what this tells me is if you look at the houses that are all in strong, strong seller's markets, they're farther away from DC. Look at the ones that are closest to DC, Falls Church, Arlington, Alexandria, and McLean. So these are commuter, this is basically where the commuters are. They work and live right in Arlington or Alexandria or DC. This is where they're living at. Well, as you can see, their markets are not as strong as these outerlying markets. So you still have some appreciation working out here, whereas here may be a little tougher. You have to be a little more thoughtful. Now, when you're in a city and you're trying to list a house and you wanna find out how your market is doing, remember, let's take a city like Vienna in here, 57%, but it's different For homes under a million, a million to 1.3, and over 1.3. So each market is different. So then we analyze what are those individual markets, all right? So we can see that, you know, in June, everything from 700 to a million was at 67% strong, strong sellers market. And that's fallen now to 56%. So not as strong as it was before. If we look at, you would think that the million to million three then would follow suit, but it hasn't. The, the million to million three is still strong now whether that's lack of inventory or strong buyer pool you know then you got that's another analyzation but now the biggest ones you would think that they went from 47 to 45 percent, which says they're trending towards a buyer's market now look what happened today and billy i know that you've seen some markets and you follow this as much as i do In fact, you said, we got a lot of houses in some market. What market were you looking at when you were talking about that bill?
1: Um, I mean, I look at just Vienna um, and I must be including new builds or coming soons because I have differing numbers. Um, You must not have coming soons in, which is fine. But yeah, the. um, I do
0: not include coming soon's. Got it. Got it. it. Yeah. I mean, this is what is active and what is under contract and what percentage is under contract. That's what these numbers are.
1: Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, The numbers. Yeah. And the numbers that I look at, I mean, I'm a buyer right now. So I know when there's inventory coming because all of a sudden my searches start dinging and dinging and dinging and dinging. Right. Um, And there's, I mean, me and Cali are looking for homes between 700 and 900 in Vienna. Um, So I just know as a, as a buyer, I mean, I'm in the buyer pool looking until July, there was nothing on the market past six, 10 days. Everything was under contract. Now they're starting to become more things that are sitting longer and we're getting a lot of price decreases even. Right. So that's just, I mean, that was the big thing that I saw that um, I sent to you and said, Hey, things in my search are starting to change. So that's why I, um, you know, I, I had sent that note to you just saying, right. Hey, we need to be so cognizant. We can look
0: at this and say, this could be attributed that more inventory coming on the market. But you know, when we look back, the sales are, sales are still consistent. So, right and then this one so if something's going on it's because if, if something's going on it's because the inventory is growing
1: yeah definitely I mean we get, inventory
0: is growing here maybe not so much here
1: right we used to get uh you know we used to get maybe two to three houses a week now we're getting 10 houses a week so I know that the inventory is definitely ticking up um and again that's just That might be a micro look at it. I don't really look at um, Centerville as much as I do Vienna. I mean, I I have, you know, uh, in the back of my head, I know what's going on out there, but um, I'm, you know, I'm really focused on Vienna because um, number one, most of my listings with you are in Vienna and I'm also a buyer in that market. So my hands, I mean, my hands are deep in that market. Um, And that's why I just had said, hey, we need to monitor this. Things might be changing. Um, I know in 2015, you always tell a story about how, you know, that we thought it was a great seller's market. And then all of a sudden it flipped up. There was 40 houses on the market and only one was under contract and everyone, you know, wasn't aware of that.
0: Well, that's why we're here, Billy. We're here to make sure that we don't get hit upside the head with a brick like we did back in 2015. Yeah. So yes, we're in a strong seller's market. Yes, things have changed dramatically over the last year and a half. When are they gonna change back? How are they changing? Every month is different. So every week is actually different. So, yeah. So, you know, we'll look at that. Maybe we come up with a barometer of what's the coming soon, you know, that are coming out there. And I I get it that that's future inventory. And maybe I'll see that next week when they've launched and, and now these numbers may change a little bit. But if you were a buyer, you need to know these numbers. And if you're a seller, I do this for every listing we have. What is the percentage of homes under contract and as Billy said, he's in this market right here. Is this market right here, and this market right here? Are they the same? Well, in June they were not, right? Right. Now they are. Okay. So, so we really need to understand the markets when we're going to list a house, when we're going to sell it, and that's going to bring me to the second to the second thing. Let me get rid of the the shared um, screen here. Let's talk, Billy. Um, Because the market softens when it does and the expectations are high that it's gonna sell like that, sell in the first week, sell for 100,000 over list price, which some do. I will tell you that this week, we're gonna launch Oak Street. Oak will go off at a million dollars. It'll sell for 1.15 million. And the question is, why don't you put it on for 1.15 million? And the answer is the buyer pool won't really accept it. You need to get them to bid it up to 1.15. It will appraise, for $1 million. We just sold and are settling on uh, Chainbridge Road, which we were under contract at 1.49 and appraised for $1.3 million. So, you know, there are still those things going on. Yeah. However, if you have road problems, it, road noise, if you're next to the Dulles Toll Road, Route 66, the widening of Route 66, um, you know, busy roads, or the home is not exactly what everybody's looking for, an arts and crafts house, or whatever, if it's a unique house. And they could sit on the market, right? Or mm-hmm. a seller says, I don't want to go off at a million. I want to go off at 1.15 million and learn, learn a lesson, a tough lesson. And that house sits beyond seven days. So now what do we do? Do we panic yet? The answer is no. So let me go through the process. The first week is the most important. That's when you're going to get big bids. 100, 150, 250, whatever, something over that. Pretty much 99% of the homes that are gonna sell that time period will not have a home inspection with it, right? But more and more homes are going into that 20, 30 day period and more and more home inspections are coming. So I need to tell you the three things you need to do to prevent the home inspection. But Let's stay on task. The first week is gone. Okay, now nobody took it. Now what do we do? Uh Uh-oh. So this means that the buyer pool that has been looking at your house, we immediately are talking with every agent. We're talking about why didn't they find it, what's wrong with the house. There's mo- a lot more communication that has to go on between the agents, the showing the a- uh, listing agent, the showing agent, and the seller. So we need to know what's going on here, you know um, because we're gonna have to make some decisions down the road on pricing. So we talk to every agent, we find out who they are, we find out where they're coming from. This is why when I'm sitting with a seller, I know your buyers are coming from Arlington, Alexandria, or yours are coming from DC, Alexandria, because we know who's looking at your house or similar houses to you. So, so really, we really get, get working on why didn't they buy it? What's going on? Well, they didn't want to get in a bidding war is the, is the majority of the time that we hear that. They just don't want to bid. They like the house. They think the price is right, but they don't wanna bid. That's fine. So they'll wait that period. Let's say your limit is 1.15 million. You'll wait that period. Is it still on the market? Yes. We call those the monbacks. I'm gonna come on back. I'm gonna take a look at it one more time, maybe two more times. All right. Now your opportunity comes in week two and three that you're going to get that possible full price contract where that's where you're gonna end up. because. Those are the Monbacks. They do like the house. They like everything about it. They're willing to come back. They're interested. It's kind of like fishing. You see that bobber going up and down? Somebody's, somebody's nibbling on that thing. So you're waiting for them to take the bait and sink the hook. So, you know, we're watching them and we're talking to them and we're expecting to get that full price contract. All right. Now, let's say we've cleared the Monback period. We've cleared through week three. We've talked to all the agents. We're looking at how many people are coming through. If you've had 40 people walk through that house, then all the marketing has done its job because the marketing is there to get people in that front door. Now, if they have not taken that house, they are not gonna go through or write a contract, then you gotta take action. So here's the action that we take. After week three, I can't wait until we start doing cocktails with Casey instead of coffee with Casey. <laughs> I think it'd be, it be a lot more entertaining. At least the second half of the of the conversation would be a lot more entertaining. Yeah. So, so then we go to, uh, nobody's come in the back period week two, week three. Now we're at the end of week three. Now, what are we going to do? If we've made the decision that we did overprice it, that the market is not accepting that, 800 now we need to move to 750 or we got from 1.5 to 1.4 wherever we're going we need to make that movement before we do we go temp off we go temp off right before the thursday of week four okay and the reason we do that is because sometimes people those fishes those bobbers are still going up and down and when you go temp off then that that bobber will go underwater with some of the buyers they're gonna be like wait a minute i was watching that house where did it go they'll surface right mm-hmm. and we'll say okay all right well we're getting ready to drop this price and when we do we're going to get multiple contracts so if you want to buy this house you better move fast move now get it in before i bring in multiple contracts that you're going to have to bid against now a lot of buyers have already lost two or three houses they don't like that word bidding that's why they're the Monbacks, right so a lot of times they'll say, well, wait a minute, before you put it back on at that price, I'll, I'll give you a number. Maybe we try and negotiate in those two or three days to get that full price contract. If we do not, then we drop at the $50,000 or whatever's appropriate. If you're up in the 1.6s, usually we'll go to 1.5. If you're in the 800s, we'll go to 750. So whether we drop, Hundred thousand or fifty thousands, depending on the size of the home. Why wouldn't you drop ten thousand or fifteen thousand dollars? So, Billy, you know that the buyer pools are are at certain levels, and we've already exhausted this buyer pool. If I'm in eight fifty and I go to eight seventy five, uh, seven eighty five, same buyer pool. Nobody knew is in that buyer pool, so right. they've already walked away. We need to get to a bigger buyer pool now. Billy, you were involved with one where we went from one six to one five five. Mm-hmm. And didn't we get two contracts at 1.6? Yes. We had two, right? So, you know, the one thing that sellers need to be thoughtful about is just because you go and drop the price doesn't mean that's your price. I mean, what we did was go from 1.6 to 1.55 because we couldn't get the buyer pool to accept that house. We went to 1.55, two people snatched on, and we got right back to 1.6. So, so that's the protocol. And- you know, you really need to stick with it. And I know that, you know, uh, seller's expectations are high. You know, their friends got $150,000 over list price. But listen, that friend whose house sold at 150 over list price is one of your comps. That's why you are priced where you are right now. So if he went here and he priced and he got this, well, this is where your list price is. So I think we need to be thoughtful about knowing your comps did somebody just get crazy with that comp? Let me give you an let me give you an example. We had a house on Flynn Hill, and that house was worth $1.4 million. It might get bit up to $1.45, maybe $1.5. We got $1.65. Is that house worth $1.65? No. But if somebody prices a new listing off that house, they're gonna be way overpriced. So You need to look at what happened and that is called an anomaly, okay? When I do pricing and you have eight comparables, first you have to pull out the anomalies. Um, Everybody's selling at about 112% of assessment. Okay, this one's at 103, that's an anomaly, it's gotta go. One's at 140% of assessment, that's gotta go. Um, You look at price per square foot, they're all somewhere in the 280s, 290s one is at 345 that's an anomaly so you've got to throw out the anomalies and flint hill would be an anomaly now the problem with pricing engines online like zillow and all the rest of that they don't take that into account that is a comparable so with if the anomalies are still in there they could swing you high or swing you low perfect example i look at all Pricing engines and Billy, you know we sat down on listing appointments. You've seen them. the 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 estimate from Zillow and RPR is 150000 dollars different. So right, ten percent always. I mean, historically, yeah, or more. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. So, so, so Flint Hill is an anomaly. Um, the house you did and you got buyers to go from one point three, which is what it's worth. And they bid it, bid it, bid it, bid it, bid it. it. And before you know it, it's 1.477, right? Mm -hmm. But you had two executives from where? You had IT executives, yeah, Google and AWS. So you had Um, AWS guy going against Google. And they were not going to be outbid. And they just ran it up. That's (laughs) an anomaly, right? Right. And we saw that a neighbor, you know, came to us and we said that that is correct. He did get that, but that is an anomaly. So let's just look at this. We told him to price it at X. Another agent came and said, oh, no, no, you got to price it at Y. Within two weeks, it was back down to X. So, you know, you really need to be thoughtful about your pricing in a market like this. So we look at the market. Are we at 60% under contract, 70% under contract, 80% under contract, or 40% under contract? We price it correctly and, and get this thing rolling. So we don't want to get into the 30-day protocol, but if we do... It's there and it has a purpose. So let's talk about another thing. If we go to 30 days and (laughs) this is what I say, you guys have had a year off because you haven't had any home inspections, right? Right. I mean, we have a protocol for home inspections. They are 90% of the problem with every house. Um, This is one of the main reasons why you really shouldn't be paying a lot of money on your commissions because when we sell a house in the first weekend, and we have no home inspection or no appraisal, it's a lot easier. So, you know, to pay exorbitant amounts for commissions is crazy, all right? So, let's look at the house though that 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 has gone for two or three or four weeks, which we're now seeing and we didn't see before. I mean, we saw one of them in the first half, we've seen five of them this half. So, so now we have to come up against home inspections. How do, what are the three things we can do to keep from getting a home inspection. One, Oak Street. We're gonna price it at a million, it's gonna go a million one five. That's not gonna have a home inspection. We don't want any home inspections, not because there's anything wrong with the house because contracts kick out. So the bidding is going to create no home inspection, okay? So that's one way to do it. The other way to do it, to prevent it, is get every repair bill, every brochure, every manual for your house, get them all together, get a notebook and a three-hole punch and create a notebook that has, here's all the electrical stuff. Here's, I mean, if you have an HVAC um, um, warranty or somebody comes out and inspects it, you should have all of those in the notebook. So when a buyer sees a notebook, he knows the seller is taking very good care of the house. Oh, here's this, here's that. You built a pool, you built a screen room, you built um, a deck or a lot, you know, whatever you built, you should have the bill for completion and you should have a certificate saying it was permitted. So all of these things give buyers confidence to say, I don't need a home inspection. So so if the, the more you can put in that book and, and it's really simple, get the book, get a three ring binder, okay, a hole punch, and just have electrical, have different, um, you know, sections: electrical, heating and cooling, plumbing, repairs, uh, additions, um, any upgrades you've done. If you just bought a, a new um, refrigerator, put the manual in there, right? That's in appliances. So you got your appliances: electric, heating, cooling, blah, blah, blah. So. The bigger we can build this book, the more stuff that's in that book. You have it. It's in some file in your office somewhere. Just bring it out, three-hole punch it, and and away we go. So that's the second way to prevent a home inspection. The third way of preventing a home inspection, if I'm looking at a house and I'm going to say, you are not going to list it for a million dollars. You're going to list it for 1.15. That's going to limit the people through. It may have to go through the Monbach 30-day period. So I'm gonna recommend that we do a pre-listing home inspection. Now, a pre-listing home inspection is not a full home inspection. I don't want a full home inspection. I just want you checking a few things. I want you checking the dates of all of our uh, systems. In other words, when you go to your water heater, that uh, serial tells the uh, home inspector, how old is that? You may not know, but he does. So we need to have the ages exactly of what everything is. We need to make sure they've all been tested and are working fine. We need to make sure that the gas lines and the water lines are all checked. So there's no leaking going on of gas or water. They don't want their house to blow up. So I'm trying to increase their comfort level with this house. Is there any moisture in the house? Is there moisture in the basement? Is there moisture in the attic? Is there any mold in the house? So mold is a deal killer, right? So. So basically, we're looking at four things that we do when we come in that house, the electrical system good, what's the roof look like, you know, what's the age of all the appliances, what are the gas lines. So for $300, $350, okay, this is is called, you know, preventative maintenance here. If we spend $300, $350, we could save ourselves $10,000 on a reckless home inspection or a home inspection to cause a contract to kick out. I can tell you this, when that home inspection kicked out that one contract that we had, the seller lost $70,000, right? No home inspection. I mean, a a high number that kicked out. We had to go to contract number two, which did have an appraisal contingency and it went down to 1.43, right? So we lost 70,000, I went from 1.5 to 1.43 because of the home inspection. So if we do number one, price it right, number two, where there's no home inspections, number two, have the book out there and ready to go. In other words, don't hide it, get out in front of everything. Or number three, we have literally had a home inspector come in and check on the main issues, the main problems that buyers are looking for and say, no mold, no moisture, gas lines, water lines, everything's complete, blah, blah, blah. How old are all the systems in this house? Is there a verbal look through? Is there any major cracks in the foundation that need to be, that that don't meet you know standards of a of a um, structural engineer? They can also look at things and go, look, your grading is terrible. Your grading is going to cause is a is a you know is a it's just a um, a red flag for any home inspector, home buyer. If your grading is going towards the house down, that's a problem, right? if they see um, signs of disrepair, that's a problem. So when a home inspector, who's a friendly friendly home inspector, walks through and gives you a visual, he can say, this is a red flag, that's a red flag, this needs to be fixed, that needs to be fixed, right? So by doing that, we get out in front of that, we don't wanna lose $70,000. And I'm gonna tell you one thing, he, they're lucky they only lost 70000 bucks because if you go from $1.3, I think it was our list price, to $1.5 and you have to go back on the market, everybody's going to know you, lost, you you failed your home inspection. And guess where the numbers are going to come in? $1.3. Could have lost 200000 Now, the reason why they didn't was because we were at the right price. We had multiple contracts. We went from contract one to contract two. Contract two had an appraisal contingency, but they accepted our home inspection and the fixes that we made to that. So when the appraisal came in, we lost our $70,000. Now, so we don't wanna go back on the market. 70,000 was the minimum we were gonna lose. We could have lost a lot more, all right? So just one more preventative thing for just as a tip. When we knew somebody was going to come in and appraise the house, we had our own appraiser come in. We brought in Mike McNaughty from Anthony Appraisers. We said, Mike, what's the most you can appraise this house for? In the most favorable condition, he appraised it for 1.35. The buyer's appraiser came in at 1.3. Okay. So said, we don't really care. We have a 1.35 from Mike McNaughty who owns Anthony Appraisers. So what that did was, instead of going from meet in the middle of 1.5 to 1.3, coming all the way down, that moved moved the needle to the middle being between 1.35 and 1.5. So again, we use professionals to support our position so we can negotiate. Guys, there's tens of thousands of dollars at stake here. When you're selling your house, like I just told these sellers, you can clean it up if you want, but you're going to make 100000 more if it's clean and sparkling and everybody comes through and thinks it's a dollhouse. And if it's not, you're going to lose $100,000, $150,000. So, so there's a lot of money at stake. There's a protocol for preparing the house. There's a protocol for pricing the house. There's a protocol for marketing the house. There's a protocol for doing coming soon. There's a protocol for doing predictive analysis. There's a protocol if it doesn't sell in the first place. There's a protocol for everything. You got to be prepared for the what ifs. When we move from a, anybody can list a house and get big contracts to now you have to go back to being a real professional realtor. Um, you need to make sure you're working with professionals. Okay. Billy, you got anything else happening this week or are you we good? No, no, no. It's good. good. It's good. Yep. All right, buddy. All right. My name is Casey Sampson. I'm at uh, Casey at CaseySampson.com. You can reach me at 703-508-2535. Yes, I do pick up my phone. Um Or you can check out all of our stuff at caseysampson.com. You can see all of our podcasts, this included in order of what we're doing. um, And that will go over all the process that we've been doing. So the market still looks healthy. We're still a go. Seller's market in there in most areas. The farther away you get, the better the seller's market, the closer you get into city, the worse the market. Okay. All right, guys. We'll see you again next Thursday at 11 o'clock on Coffee with Casey. Bye now.